You're listening to Q Marriage Mentors with Jeff Lutz, a podcast featuring conversations with remarkable lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender couples. What makes great relationships work? Jeff will ask the questions. You'll hear the answers. Together, we'll learn. Hey, everybody. Jeff here. And today I visited the home of Ken Martin and Tom Cole, who have been together for 43 years. Their lovely home sits on 14 lush acres in Maynard, Texas. And as we talked, the phone rang and their dog, Governor, played in the background. Ken is a retired clergy person and Tom is a retired art director in the television and film industry. I began, as I usually do, by asking about their coming out experiences and how they met as a couple. Tom started our conversation. I knew I was different, did not have a word for it, until my about senior year in high school. And then I kind of figured it out, but never acted upon it. However, when I went to college uh, and a few doors opened, I knew. Then it took me a while to uh, break it to my mom and dad. And after years of with my mother, who was extremely religious, uh, she finally came around and accepted and fell in love with both of us. And my father, after a few years, uh, kind of thought, well, maybe his mother might have been a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, before you met Ken, had you been in a relationship with anyone else? Yes, I've had two relationships, one with a female who I still love and care for. Uh, don't see, but maybe once every two or three years. Uh, and then I was also in a relationship for a year and a half uh, with a uh, gentleman who unfortunately had a drinking problem and was an ex-vet and needed help and finally did get help and is doing quite well. And I've seen him twice in the last 42 years. You still stay in touch a little bit. Yeah, just enough to say you're doing okay. <laughs> so, Ken, what about you? What was your coming out story? And then we'll talk about how the two of you actually met. Yeah, I, I also have known I was gay since I was very, very young, but grew up in a very fundamentalist Christian family um, in southern Mississippi and um, knew very at a very young age that I had to try to hide this you know, I had to try to pretend to be somebody that I was not. And I succeeded in doing that for a long time, got married, had a child, um, you know, pursued my what I felt from a very young age was a calling, you know, into Christian ministry and knew what I had to do if that was going to succeed. You know, I, I could not be who I felt I was at my deepest at the deepest levels. Um, and so I, I, I hid that for a long time. And then finally, just had to acknowledge who I really was when I was about 30 years old. And that's when I came out to everybody. And it was um, a, a shock. And nobody, everybody in my life said they had no idea, you know, that I was gay until the point where I literally told everybody at the same time that I was gay. And you were already uh, in the clergy. You were already 
serving churches. Yes, I had already pastored several churches. And at that time, uh, I was also a seminary student. I was the assistant to the pastor of a very large church in New Albany, Indiana. Uh, I was married. I had a child. I had already served as the chaplain's assistant in the army, you know, for two years. And during all of that time, I had successfully hidden this about myself you know, and then it just became a, an ethical crisis for me. It became the issue of uh, how do you preach the truth and live a lie? Do you remember the moment that it just reached a crisis and you could no longer keep it? Um, I do. Um, it, it was a moment when I was in seminary um, and I um, I woke up one morning and just had, for the first time in my life, I had suicidal ideation. I had suicidal feelings. You know, I thought the only way out of this for me, you know, is to take my own life. And that's that's the moment at which I realized, you know, um, I, I can no longer hide this. I, I have to deal with this. And so you told everyone, you said. I told everyone. <laughs> and tell me, what were the ramifications of that, the repercussions? Uh, the repercussions were that um, my my family of birth, my, both of my parents, uh, my mother had already died. She died relatively young. Uh, I had two brothers with whom I was very close growing up, and my father uh, they they all uh, grew up as I did in Southern Mississippi as very conservative people, uh, mm-hmm. Southern Baptist. They had no idea how to deal with this. And so they literally said to me, it is easier for us to think of you as being dead than being gay. And so if you just go away and we never see you again, that's the easiest thing for us. And so in terms of family, you know, my family just had no way of dealing with this. And and for many, many years, I had no contact with them again. And you said you were married and you had a child. So what happened in terms of your immediate family? Yes. um, At the same time that this ethical crisis began to happen for me personally, I also discovered um, just through a, a series of really serendipitous uh, uh, events, um, the existence of Metropolitan Community Church, which was a, a you know a, a denomination uh, which was founded by Reverend Troy Perry to to provide a spiritual home for sexual minority people, and so I investigated that um, and found that there was a place where both my calling to ministry, my preparation for ministry and my sexuality could be accepted and celebrated. And so I I both had to leave the life that I had known, which involved separation and divorce, and I also had a place to go at the same time. You said you had to leave, so yes. you didn't have contact. For right. We my, my former wife and I... Um, were, when we separated and divorced, we we were for a long time we had no contact with each other. In fact, we we even after Tom and I were together, uh, we tried to stay together for the sake of our son, um, who was four years old when we divorced. Um, but then she remarried, and for eighteen years we had no contact. I had no idea where they were. 
uh, no contact with them at all for 18 years. How did you meet? Where did you run into each other? We How met you... yeah. in church. <laughs> <laughs> I was already going to church uh, in Chicago, and Ken came, and I remember I was there when uh, he sang in the choir, and then he stood up and started to preach, and I was there for his installation. When I moved to Chicago, and I was in the process of becoming a clergy person in the Metropolitan Community Church denomination, and then ultimately became the pastor of that church, uh, there, were, there were these two young men who came to church every week, and they were both just the most attractive, interesting, beautiful, funny, wonderful people. And one was Tom, and the other was a man named Michael Alcinius. And Michael was, I mean, there's no other way to say this, right, Tom? Michael was he just was, the most pretty. gorgeous, beautiful human being you Very have ever handsome. seen. And so I thought they were a couple. For months, I thought they were a couple. And so I would look at them, but I was always more attracted to Tom and so finally, um, my office, um, when I was pastor there, was in the loop in, down in Chicago. And so I would take the train every night from my office in the loop to my home in, in, on the near north side of Chicago. But the, my bank was in the Merchandise Mart. And so one night I stopped to do banking there. And when I got on a different train to go north, Tom was on that train. Tom and so there. we started talking. And he said to me that night, I won't be in church this Sunday. Uh, I'm going skiing up in Michigan. And so I said, oh, you and Michael are going skiing. And he said, oh, no, Michael and I are just friends. And so then, <laughs> Jeff, every night I would get off of my usual train at the Merchandise Mart and get on this different train because okay. I knew Tom was going to be there. And then what did you tell me 10 years later? I was getting off a different train to get on that train so I could meet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And we, we did, talked the whole way. We didn't know this for 10 years <laughs> 10 that years. he was doing the same thing I was doing to get on the same train so that we could talk, you know, going north. And then I, after that happened for several months, um, I invited Tom uh, one Sunday and worship. I said, you know, we have a Bible study on Wednesday night. I'd really like for you to come. And Tom said, well, I'm a Presbyterian. We believe in God is love and pizza parties, but I don't know anything about the Bible. <laughs> God is love and pizza God parties. God is love yes. and pizza parties. <laughs> yeah, so, so I said, well, why don't you come anyway? And for several weeks, he didn't come. But then one Wednesday night, he showed up for a Bible study. And uh, after Bible study, uh, he and two or three of our friends who remained after went to a little neighborhood bar. What was it? Sherry's. A little bar called Sherry's around the corner. And then Tom said, well, why don't you all come back to my apartment? I just live around the corner. And he asked me to stay that night, and I stayed, and I never left. I never spent another night. And he made the bed the first night. I thought, oh, when I came home, I thought, oh, I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you knew he was going to be your husband? <laughs> no, so, I could tell. Literally, we had been talking for months. We knew this attraction for over was there. a year. Yeah, between us. you know. And then finally that night... Uh, it happened. He invited me to stay, and um, and and I never left. 
I'm impressed, Tom, because I mean, switching trains is one thing, but going to Bible study and <laughs> that was a big. <laughs> I only went once. <laughs> That's all it took, thank God. Right? I have a Bible study every day with Papa. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, so over the years, tell me about your professions and what that journey has been like. Uh, as Ken, you worked up the ranks and. Uh, became an elder in MCC, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Tom, you had a successful career in Hollywood. Yes. Tell me about that. We, I asked Ken if he would be okay for us to pick up and move to Southern California, and I could pursue more into the film industry. And after many discussions, we upped and moved to Southern California. And you want to add anything? To yeah, yeah. Um, um, both of us have had careers that are so different, you know, um, and we've had to make major decisions in our lives based on those careers. The first one was really uh, leaving Chicago and going to Southern California because Tom's career was really escalating in the film industry. Um, but we always felt like... Um, we 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 always talked about it. We always prayed about it. We always thought, you know, how, how is this going to work out? So we went to Southern California. His career, you know, just took off there. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do. I worked for one year as a mental health specialist in an acute psychiatric hospital. And then the pastorate of the uh, MCC Church in North Hollywood became available. And I was elected there and ended up being the pastor there for 11 years. 11 years. Yeah, while Tom was working in Hollywood, you know. And so uh, we've had to make several major decisions around moving um, and so forth. But... um, we we all we feel like every one of them worked for us, uh, you know, beginning with that first one, which was moving from where we met and where we were very solidly grounded, you know, in Chicago. And then the idea of moving from Chicago to California, you know, how, how do you do that? You know, when all of our friends and everybody we knew and family and everybody was in Chicago, you know, and then. But that worked, and and then we had uh, we lived in uh, Southern California. We owned a home in North Hollywood, and then we bought a home up in the mountains in the San Bernardino Mountains, um, and we lived there, you know. And we just we had this wonderful life there, and we were just totally happy. And we thought, oh, we'll just be here forever, you know. And then in 1992, I was invited to come here to Austin. Um, by the pastor of the MCC Church here to do a retreat uh, for men and to do um, a a commitment ceremony and to preach. And literally, um, we got on the plane. And we said, what just happened? You, what just happened to us? It never occurred to us we'd want to move to Texas. You know? And now you've been here? We've been here 25 years. 25 years. Yes. Wow. 25 years last month. And Tom, yeah. in your career, what were the films and show, television shows that you were associated oh, with? Oh, dear. Okay, I just finished uh, a TV show called The Sun, and it was a historic uh, take of a family that was very wealthy, an oil baron, and of a young man who grew up uh, by the Comanche Indians and then became a large rancher. 
I worked on Pierce Friday, Brosnan. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan. Stars Pierce Brosnan. He's been working with for uh, Friday months. Night Lights. I worked on. Uh, you worked in in Hollywood. You worked primarily in, in the commercial in, in in TV commercials and music videos. Yes. And then, since we've lived in Texas, primarily TV series like Friday yeah. Night Lights and and The Sun and and. Uh, but with, with There's a, some others in there. I can't even remember. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of career changes and moves throughout the years. Was there ever a moment in your 43 years when you thought you might not make it? Or if it was really kind of touch and go? Never. Yeah, on my... Never. 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 No. So how did you sustain it? Because I think that's one of the things that people wonder about that we know in the honeymoon stage it's hot and yeah, heavy but yeah. how do you keep it going all that time i think it's quite simple i treat ken how i want him to treat me so i'm caring i try to be helpful if he's having a bad day i try to be supportful and he does the same thing back Consciously or unconsciously. I mean, and you don't sweat the small stuff. If you don't put the tube on the toothpaste, don't get crazy. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think that's for me. Yeah, I really think, uh, yeah. One of the things that Tom and I have always acknowledged is that it would be very hard to find two people more different than us. That's really. true. You know, I'm a very verbal person. I, grew, I my, my whole life and profession is verbal. He's very visual, you know, very, very, very visual. I'm an extreme introvert. He's an extreme extrovert. You know, it would be hard to find people more different than us. But but we have insisted upon remaining highly individuated apart from each other so that we all we, we, there's so many things we share and we love to do together right. and you know at the older we get we we joke about this now the happiest we ever are is when we're here on our farm alone together yes you know, we just that's 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 and our, our place of bliss you know with our animals and the land and everything around us here you know that's that's the happiest we've ever been but throughout these 43 years we have insisted upon our individuation and the, and the things, the, the interests that we have that are different from each other keep us very interested in, in each, each other. other because he goes out and does his thing and then comes home. And I'm, I am, Jeff, I am fascinated by the stuff he does. I could never, ever do the things. I have been on movie sets and, and TV show sets, things that he has built, things that he has done. And I'm just, I, I'm just in awe of his ability to do that, those things, you know. And so we go do our separate things. Then we come back together and we remain really fascinated. You have yeah. material to talk about. Yeah. Because yeah. you have yes. your own That's individual right. interest, it keeps. He has yeah. never asked me to preach, though, and that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, when you've had to move and uh, make some of these other big decisions, how do you make decisions together as a couple? We talk. Yeah, we talk we a talk. lot about it. We there were a number. I, I was thinking about this not long ago. Um, there were a number of times when we considered things that we 
ultimately decided against. And I was thinking, well, why did we decide against that? You know, like, for example, not long after we were together in Chicago, um, I, MCC in Washington, D.C., wanted me to come there and be their pastor. And they brought me there for like 10 days. And I had meetings with senators and representatives on the Hill. And, you know, just it was a fat, it was, it was heady. It was, you know, it's yeah. like, oh my God, you know, I could be the pastor of this church here and all of that. But when we talked about it, it was like, well, then what would that mean for his career? You know, um, you know, um, and so every decision we've ever made, it had to be right for both Mutual. of us, you know, at the same time. Um, and so every time we've moved or bought a home or any of those big things, it was because it was right for both of us at the same time. That yeah. sounds like that was really important. It was oh, really yes. important to us. Yeah. yeah. Tom, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah. I just have to laugh because at one point Ken said, let's sell everything and buy an RV. <laughs> <laughs> And I think this is one of those that are mutually And I'm thinking, what? He said, oh, think how fun it would be traveling around the country and doing this and doing that. And I thought, well, yeah. But you like news stations constantly on and CNN. And there's no place in an RV to hide from news 24 hours a day. <laughs> that did not sound I like am a now. news junkie. I <laughs> am, yes. Right. I know. Oh, no. I would want to shoot you or something. <laughs> the RV might have been the end of you. Yeah, you yeah that, could have been, that would have been the one thing that might have done us <laughs> in. Yeah, but I, I did go through a thing a few years ago when I retired. I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if we sold all of this, all this land and everything that we own and just bought a big RV and just traveled around the country? And, and Tom kind of brought me back to reality <laughs> you know, that, yeah. what is it after all these years that's yeah um do you ever just look across the kitchen or across the room and think mm, yeah i made a good choice oh, no. oh gosh yes. yes what is it even now that you see one of the things i love the most is when we entertain and have friends or family here and ken and i get in the kitchen and we work really well in the kitchen and then people arrive at the door, uh, the wine's out, the cheese is out, the crackers or whatever. And then the house fills with laughter and friends. And uh, how much, uh, it's just perfect. Uh, it, it really. And, and before those events it. and after those events, we just look at each other and say, you know, um, this is why we're here. You know, the, the, first of all, um, Tom has a gift of hospitality that is just beyond anything anybody who's ever, you know, just can even imagine. And he's taught me a lot of that. I didn't know how to cook. I didn't know how to do anything until I met Tom because, you know, I had a mother, I had a grandmother, I had a wife. I had, I grew up in a culture where men didn't do these things. You know, Tom uh, was the oldest of five children. Both of his parents worked. He had to cook. He had to take care. So he has this amazing gift of hospitality, of taking care, you know, of people, you know. And so he, he, has, he has taught me that. He has brought me into that, you know, at a level where, you know, we just, I think um, when you say, do you ever look across the table, it's just sort of like, you know, if I... If I ever in my dreams imagined I could love anybody more than I love him, 
you know, and I know he feels the same way. You know, oh, it's just, does. you know, what keeps Which us must together. feel really great to know that he feels the same. Oh, absolutely. It's one thing to love, oh, but to know oh, it's reciprocal. Absolutely. You know, unrequited love has to be the most painful thing in the world when you love somebody who doesn't love you back in that way. You know, but I, I, he knows that I love him more than anything in the world. And I know he loves me more than anything in the world. And we show each other that all the time. You know. When you were talking about hospitality, you, were, you mentioned taking care of others. And yeah. I happen to know that over the years, you've taken care of thousands in the LGBT community. And yeah. you've been um, mentors and father figures to so many in so many parts of the country. Can you talk about that a little bit? One of the most interesting things that ever happened to us was um, we, when we lived, still lived in Southern California, one of his nephews got into trouble, legal oh, yeah. trouble. And the family sent that nephew to live with us. And then they sent another one and then an, another one. And they Did said, y'all get a license. And, and they said, they said, <laughs> they said, Ken and Tom are the only ones who can help these people because they have the best relationship in the family. <laughs> you know, so we just want, so we, we literally, one of them will live with us for six months. One live with us for three months, you know? Um, so yeah, we've had that. We, we've had that, but also, you know, in our role, first of all, Jeff, you know, because I was the pastor, because I was the elder, I was the person who was always out front, you know. But Tom and I have always known that we are a ministry team. Yes. yes. You know, yes. He he's in the background, but I could never, ever have done the things that I have done, you know, if Tom were not uh, in, in a, a ministry partner with me, you know, doing all of these things. And so during... I think when you asked your question, the first thing that came to my mind was what we went through <coughs> during the AIDS crisis when we lived oh, in Los Angeles in the 1980s that was and 90s. Horrible. You know, we we lost so many friends. We buried. I stopped counting at 241. I had 200. I buried 241 young men who died of AIDS, and then I just stopped counting. Um, during all of that time, we were called upon to to provide support and comfort to families, to partners, to, you know. Um, and so that's really where our role as mentors and, you know, uh, began. Uh, because up until that time, we didn't even know about this kind of role that you had to play in life of being being there for people who were in such pain you can't even name it you know um and since then it um it has evolved into like our families like now nobody in his family dies in new york without me doing the funeral literally wow. close family <laughs> two uh, two of his relatives died and they waited for a year for me to come there and do the funerals beside the grave. They buried them, but they waited for a year, you know, for me to come and then do the funerals beside their graves in the graveyard. Amazing. Yeah. So so that that has been part of our role, you know, has been to provide comfort and support, you know, um, to to people in our own community and into our own family. But that's only been because we recognized the, our gifts and the fact that we were called on to be a ministry team. Together. And as you give it away, it comes back oh, yes. even more. Oh. 
than yes. what we're trying to do. Yeah. You've been a sanctuary to so many, and now you're building something yes. <laughs> called the sanctuary. That's right. Tell us about the sanctuary. Well, for years, Tom, probably 30 years, Tom and I have had this dream that someday we would build a place where people, a community, a community where people could come and be together and meet each other's needs. And and then when we, uh, 22 years ago, when we bought this land that we're on now, um, the first thing, the first day that we walked around this land, we said, this could be the place you know, where we could do this. And then, of course, our lives got busy. His film career, my career as a pastor and then as an elder, you know. And then as we both began to retire, it that that vision came back to us again. You know, if we could still do this. And then two wonderful, amazing women came into our life, Joe Bell and Cheryl Meyer. Um, Joe and I wrote a curriculum together 12 years ago now. Uh, which is now being used all over the world. It's been translated into five languages. But when they came and visited us here, and we sort of shared our vision with them, they said, that's what we've always wanted to do. So they own a beautiful home in Toronto, Canada. But they came down here, and they built a home here on this land, this little house over here right now. Um, and together, the four of us, are creating this sanctuary. It's called Sanctuary in the Woods, Santa Guadalupe Espiritu. And we are, we are a 501c3 incorporated. You know, we're incorporated. Um, we have an, a lot of people supporting us. We have focus groups. We have, um, and so we are getting ready to start building uh, on this land. We have 14 acres here. And our goal is to build, uh, first of all, a large, space where groups can come and meet, you know, but then also cabins and places where people can just come for retreats and, uh, um, you know, a family reunion. We've done weddings here. We've done, we've all, we already have a number of groups who meet here on a regular basis. So that, that vision that started for us just as a conversation 30 years ago is becoming reality. You all do more in a day in your late 70s than I did at age 25, I think. So it's been amazing to talk to you, Ken and Tom. I wish we had more time, but thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thank you, you so much, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Do you know any LGBT couples with interesting stories and wisdom to share on the show? Jeff would love to meet them, so please contact him through the website at qmarriagementors.com. Until next time, thanks for listening, and have a great week.